Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Minion, also known as Rob. So this time we have a few call-ins, a bunch from, um, let's see, Safer of Safer Fantasy Gaming, and also a few from uh, our Jason of Jason of uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So without much further ado, let's have a listen to see what they've got to say and uh, hopefully uh, I'll be able to respond in a way that uh, you know, doesn't just merely repeat what they've said but uh, hopefully um, recasts it in light of uh, the, the campaign um, and game style that I'm involved with at the moment. So here we go then. Hello there Rob, it's just Safer here from Safer Fancy Crafting. I've just been listening to your recent episode about level drains and I was very curious about your description about your Greyhawk campaign where you're having trouble with your your players uh, getting them to interact with the puzzles and the elements of the game in the way that you wanted them to in the old-fashioned style of the descriptive play. And um, yeah, I found it curious because that sort of play, we when we were kids, we just fell into almost instinctively... Um, Lately, I've been having I've been calling it the avatar style of play, or the quantum leap style of play, where we were just playing ourselves, wrapped up in a sort of hero's physicality. Um, and I don't know if it was the way we played like that. We would automatically try to engage our own intellect to solve a problem, or speak about what we're doing. In the perhaps it was the D and D system at the time because it didn't have skills. But, you know, there was a potential there. You could have done an intelligence role or something like that. But we never even contemplated using intelligence or wisdom skills to determine uh, things like intellect. It was more fun to try and solve the puzzles ourselves. It was more fun to negotiate with the guards ourselves. Um, we always used... There was always that dichotomy between um, bodily attributes and mental attributes within the game. That, that was There was inconsistency in the way they were dealt with. Uh, and and I think later on it led ultimately to sort of power gaming when people were dumping stats or dumping intelligence and then using their own faculties to solve things. And perhaps it's a question of, I don't know, I mean at the time we had we had television programs like the Adventure Game and then later on there was the Crystal Maze. Um, so I don't know, perhaps there was a culture of just dealing with things with our own intellect like that rather than relying on dice. There wasn't the concept of dice rolling and skills. I don't know where that's why that's changed, where that's come about. It's curious. Um, I think it's probably why I look towards fighting fantasy so much because, you know, fighting fantasy doesn't have any mind statistics. It's it's all down to you. Any any of the, the mindful uh, faculties that you use in the game are down to your abilities as a player. Or the only counter abilities are sort of like physical skill, uh, skill, stamina, and, and even luck. Um, isn't really a mental ability. And although later on I got used to using skills playing RuneQuest, um, and I can even appreciate the use of skills f- to speed up certain elements of the game. Um, I can remember like the the horrors of door drill that used to be in the early games, where you could spend ten, fifty minutes just getting through a dungeon door. And if a dungeon had ten doors in it, you just take forever. And it was, I don't know, get players who were put off with that sort of arms race process of uh, almost a Faustian pact between your descriptive abilities and the and the and the GM trying to 
uh, trip you up and find loopholes in in your the precision of your descriptions to try and catch you out. It was it was quite an awful situation. So um, yeah, I, I'm I don't really object to skills, but I kind of feel sad that that instinctive natural way we used to play has kind of been lost. Anyway, uh, enjoying listening to your adventures in the East, uh, Rob, and uh, and your regular updates. And again, the cicadas, you said, it was interesting hearing them. Although I think in your more recent episode, I realised they sound, they may be, well, quite torturous. Um, you know, there's not some birds or spiders you can let loose on them or something, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, take care, Rob. All the best to you. Thanks for all the messages there, Safer. I think it's really uh, it's great when people call in with so much to say because it, it saves me from having to actually think up ideas for another episode. But um, really, thank you. Um, I think you've hit on a lot of points there. and Clearly, I don't know if it's an age thing, but yeah, I, I think that we have a lot in common um, about some of the the styles and expectations that that we have when it comes to role-playing games. Um, this avatar style uh, of role-playing that you've you've mentioned before, I think I think probably on on um, the uh, what is it now? Grizzly Peaks. Uh, it's, it escapes me at the moment. It's it's been a long day. Um, yeah you've gone into that before and I think that's about right and yeah that does feed into the idea of skills and narrative um, narrative um, discourse let's call it adventuring discourse and uh, and also this the 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 dichotomy that you mentioned between skill um, physical stats physical attributes and, and mental attributes like the, the the physical ones you know the things that you can't do in in the uh, adventure world. So you, you need, you rely on those, you know, you rely on the combat skills, which is why combat skills, and also magic, of course, you can't simply um, do that on the fly. You need uh, some kind of magical system, well, a system of rules to, to apply to the use of magic within the game to avoid things sort of going a bit sideways, I reckon. So those things usually take up the most in the book, don't they? Um, and the mental um, attributes are usually um, important in some far as they they um, provide a, a basis or a, um, a scaffolding uh, around to which you can throw rules for magic and magic defense and this and that around. But I don't think we really... Um, felt that we had to act like an idiot just because we had intelligence six and although there were often um there were often articles on that in 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 white dwarf you know how to role play your character correctly well you know if you want to do that great but i don't think you should be straight jacketed by um any of your physical or mental attributes you know if you want to play a certain type of character just go for it if you've got strength six, strength seven, as one of my fighters had, you know, go for it. Have that character. He's going to get minus some damage and to hit, but you know, still go far. You just you shouldn't sort of uh, feel um, constrained 
by those things. You shouldn't be aiming to have a a plus instead of a minus in the these these um, these attributes. If you really care about role playing, you know, you just go with it. Um, but you know, I mean, you have got a character with intelligence six or wisdom seven or wisdom five, whatever it might be. I mean, you can play them. You can uh, interpret and and uh, express the limitation of those stats in your own way. It doesn't have to come out as somebody who only speaks in in the odd syllable or is really forgetful. Or you, you can you can interpret in different ways. You know, they might be um, extremely intelligent, but have real difficulty in interpreting people's. Uh, um, uh, just com- common things, you know, commonplace um, uh, social cues or um, common knowledge and things. So there's many ways you can sort of tackle that. Um, you know, sometimes maybe maybe it will come down to a, a stat roll. But um, getting away from that and, and back to the back to the idea of puzzles, um, I I think you might be right. I think you know, in in the if you got into gaming in the seventies or eighties, we came had this tradition of um, computer. I don't know if it's a tradition, but we had we had computer games which were much more basic than modern standards. You know, we had adventure games that were you know very limited in their understanding of of um, syntax, and so you had to put in the right word, otherwise it just wouldn't understand it. They got better in time, and um, they were able to parse sentences better in, in time but the the basic ones are very 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 simple and very frustrating and that's not what it's like when you have a dm something that should be pointed out that's not what a dm is like a dm is infinitely uh capable of reparsing sentences and asking for confirmation uh, in ways that a computer just wasn't able to and you'd get stuck in these cycles where I don't understand what you mean would come back to you regardless of what you put in there would be no hints or, or suggestions that you were on the right track uh, and as a DM you can feed those little hints um, those bits of common sense and those um, intuitive uh, uh, pieces of information uh, insights uh, to, to the players to, to give them a little bit of a give them encouragement rather than just sort of like slapping them down so um yeah we had that we had the adventure game which was the not the computer games but the actual adventure game tv series together with things like uh, the nightmare and uh, the crystal maze and all these various things that involved physically getting into or physically or mentally getting involved with um involved with puzzles and and uh, a small um imagine the world a created sort of like a setting where you had to sort of assume automatically that there was a, a logic a reason for you to go pick up the crystals in this maze you know i mean there was you, you got prizes at it but you didn't have to, nobody sat, said hey you know why have i only got one, uh, two minutes you know the rules were very um cut and dry and in nightmare for example which was for kids the kids died, you know, they were out of the game within minutes in, in some instances. They weren't um, mollycoddled. They weren't treated in a, in a demeaning way. They were given hints. They were um, given uh, 
various cues and also they were given restraints and, and they were made to feel that the time, the clock was ticking, which I found really um, quite stressful in watching that programme as a kid. But yeah, they, they didn't dumb it down at all, really. I mean, it, you know, it was simple enough, but it, it was probably... Um, it looked extremely challenging for for the age groups that were going through those things. So, um, one more thing I should probably point out: it wasn't like the whole group was um, getting frustrated with the the puzzles and stuff. And I, I kept it kept it very very simple. Um, if the if any of the players are listening to this, um, you know, uh, please don't feel um, that I'm sort of browbeating you. Or anything, but really, I mean, the puzzle I used. Once I decided what I was doing, I kept to um, the format of the puzzle, and it was it was um, nothing more difficult than you'd come across in a Legend of Zelda type um, level one dungeon. You know, maybe the second puzzle you came across, something like that. Really, something um, designed just to be a, a little bit different from what's what we usually do. You know, I mean. If you've we've done we we've done what twelve, thirteen sessions of dungeon bashing, you know, you, we've done all that, you know. So you need you need a little bit of uh, a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of role playing, slightly here and there. You need a bit of variety. You need these little puzzles. You need um, props and things. Uh, you need a bit of horror. So that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to inj- inject sort of some varied ingredients in there. Uh, with the idea of of engaging different people, and you're not getting going to get everybody on board every time, but but people um, respond in different ways. Um, as I'll probably go into more detail uh, in a later episode about the, uh, the current adventure that I'm, we're we're doing, but yeah, people are responding in different ways. So I see, and you have to off, offer people something different, and it's not for the same players to always come. Um, come up to that to each um, thing in the adventure and try to solve it, and that they should not be doing that. And this is this is part of the problem. They should be saying, oh, "No, that's not really my thing," and sitting back and letting somebody else get a chance at the, you know, in the spotlight, which is what I'm aiming for. It's not for, num- you know, the the two main sort of players are always taking spot to always get in there and do those things they 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 should know their limitations if they don't like that type of play or well don't don't engage in it and let somebody else engage in it you know encourage somebody uh, role play encourage somebody to to get involved bring them in you know bring other people in um there's no reason why if if you feel uncomfortable with a certain type of uh gaming um that you need to spend 15 minutes of your time being frustrated but by you know um because you don't feel that i'm i'm allowing you to bypass a problem that you aren't interested in solving no you you should pass that on to somebody else we have five people in the group there's plenty of people to plenty of brains you know there's plenty of brains in the group to solve that so that's something that's that's uh it's a group issue and it, it um, it involves me. I'm part of the group, obviously. It also involves the players and each person sort of identifying their strengths and weaknesses and and also thinking, well, you know, I'm not really up for this at the moment and passing it on to somebody else to, to let them try their hand at it.
you know and that's something that that we'll hopefully do more of but again this style of play it might not be your thing you know if you're used to pointing and clicking and uh, on a computer game where um you can grind yourself up to the power required to to overcome any problem and in which you don't really have to uh, imagine the puzzles because you can see them directly on the screen and and in, in some cases you can just click a button or fire the right spell uh, and it will you know overcome your problem you don't have to say hey I don't have that spell and think of some alternative way of solving the problem. And there's always alternatives, right? I think there's, this is partly what this is about. Um, sort of thinking that your way must be the only way and, try, and just grinding away at that. No, there's, there's probably more than one way of solving any, any problem. And if you come up against a, a brick wall in a pen and paper RPG and you keep on trying the same solution to solve a problem, well, probably it's time to let somebody else try or find a different way of solving the problem. You know, step back, do something else, think outside the box. Um, yeah, it's not everybody's thing, but, you know, you've got you've to have the... I think you need to bring these things into games because they're being lost. And also because they, they offer different types of play you know, and they give people um, the opportunity to do something that otherwise wouldn't be there. So I don't know, a bit long-winded, but I, but um, yeah, thanks very much for for letting me sort of de- develop some of those ideas and think about those. Um, it's still um, uh, an issue or a, a group of issues that's going to continually come up in play. So it, it's important to consider them in this way. So anyway, safer. Cheers. Thank you very much. Hey, just starting to listen to your episode, and I wanted to say that I'm very happy to know that game masters don't have to be eloquent or educated, because I would be <laughs> I would be disqualified from the start. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of your episode. I, I was just very happy to know I wasn't excluded, and, and I am kind of being facetious here i i you never said that I, and i never understand i haven't listened to the rest of your episode yet but from your previous episode i never took it to mean that players or game masters had to be eloquent or or smart so i i apologize if it seems like i misinterpreted your words i i didn't i never took you to say that i was just trying to make the point not for you as much as for other maybe your listeners the idea that you know we don't want to exclude somebody because they're not good at something but anyhow let me let me list the rest Listen to the rest of your episode. Okay, I finished the episode, and I'm going to wheel back to my comments. But first, as far as what Che is saying, I look forward to hearing his response to you. The first thing that pops in my mind for what Che is talking about is something like the Black Hack, where instead of level drain, you're actually take you drain off the attributes of the character. So they might it might actually drain the strength of the character or drain the constitution of the character. And the in the black hack, that's not such a big deal because each level, you know, you have a chance to increase it, your stats. But for a, like a AD&D or BX or Swords and Wizardry, you know, if you drain somebody's strength, that's, you know, you're, you're in bad shape. In Che's game with GURPS, you can re 
you know, you can add to those stats later. So you're not in as bad shape as you would be in, say, OSE, where it's really hard to add to attributes after character creation. Okay, now that I go back and listen to my message at the end of your... I, I went, I listened to your episode and I listened to my message again. So, yeah, I, I sure did say have them roll and give them a clue and then go from there. And no, I definitely prefer your method. I, I definitely think you're right. I, I think you need to do that descriptive part and work with them. But you still have some players that get really frustrated and, and, and they're, you know, they don't get it. And, you know, I've dealt with that in the past with some people that really, really don't like puzzles and they're not, you know, they get really frustrated. And so I, I don't know. It, it's a tough situation. And I think what it is is know your players. And if you know your players aren't into that kind of thing, you just don't do that kind of thing with that group, right? So I, I think that's a big part of it is just know your players. But you're right. I, I sure as heck did say roll and give them a clue. And, and, and afterthought, I don't agree with what I said. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I'll look forward to hearing from Shay. Um, if he's got the time, that is. Uh, or perhaps he'll put something up on one of his own podcasts, uh, on his podcast, and uh, I can refer back to that at some point. But yeah, I, I knew I knew what you were doing. That you were you were um, explaining the pro- problem or, or or describing that it could be a problem to use um, um, tricks and traps and puzzles and things, and and that it, it is difficult for many people to get into those, and that it may be necessary to give you know hints or, or uh, some kind of skill or uh, uh, attribute role for those people. Um, yeah, and of course, um, the the style of uh, role playing, the style of uh, game I'm doing currently is is kind of description heavy, which sounds worse than it is. Like I, I don't give huge lengthy bits of text, and I don't go, I don't describe things for half an hour while people sit around doing nothing. No, um, usually I just give little hints and, and colors and, and the things that first come to mind or the obvious. Um, at first, in you know, from first impressions, and then try to hint at things or to emphasize certain points that they can then um, quiz me on. So, so you know, try to get them, hook them into getting into the game. Um, and of course, I, something I, I'm, you know, I was talking about this with Safer just now. But for example, using this the idea of this vault that's that's locked with a uh, clever combination key or puzzle. Um, even even if you don't want to do that, there there are other ways of doing you know coming up to um, up to the plate and and tackling the problem. You know, one of them is say, well, we we don't understand now. We'll, we'll look at it later. And they could probably you know they could spend a week out of character saying they want to examine this puzzle and in that case maybe I'll say well if you do if you spend the time and the resources right food money um, then perhaps they can solve it as a downtime activity you know why not you know bring those things in from other editions or other other systems that's one way you could you, you could approach it and another way you, we could approach it is is by saying uh, Allowing them to do an alternative way, uh, t- alternative um, way of solving the problem uh, more directly. It's still, it might take time. But for example, they have a dwarf in the party. Um, they have, they're in a mine. They have pickaxes. They could bury, they could tunnel into the place. 
take time. But the, that's another thing that people can do. They can create their own tunnels. And this idea that the, that the environment is rigid and unflinching, it comes from uh, computer games in, in a lot of, you know, in, in many ways. You know, this idea that you can't do something that hasn't been programmed into that game. This is a tabletop role-playing game, or role-playing game for sure, or an adventure game. You know, these things were around before we had to rely on people to program in every um, conceivable um, option into the game. So they, they are without limitations in many ways, despite the fact that when they come to an old-school game, they appear to be restrictive, completely restrictive, but that's not the case. The, the players are able to interact with their environment um, and because because in most situations they're not up against the clock um, they're, they're able to 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 be uh, approach problems flexibly um, and so long provided that you know there's every good reason why they should be allowed to do it or given the opportunity to to do that that follow that course of action and as a as a referee, as a GM, whatever you want to call it, we should give them the opportunity to you know try it. There might be dangers involved, or or ch- amount of chance or difficulty perhaps, but but they should be given the opportunity, that, a chance to solve that problem in the way that they see um, it happening. And that doesn't involve. I'm not doing like saying you know narratively they should be able to come up with a solution that I, that you know, to the puzzle that I've set and say, well, actually, this puzzle, um, my grandfather left me a part of the key and it will open it automatically. That, that's, um, that might be acceptable in some ways, you know, by spending certain points or whatever. I, I really don't know um, the, um, many of the new types of games, but, but we don't need to do that um, in, in a simple kind of traditional sort of role-playing game. We can, we can have them come up with different solutions um you know the age-old solution of um a dungeon full of ravenous beasts that are going to tear you apart is is to have have um for example reroute a river and have it flood the dungeon you know what an awful thing to do but i mean you know imagine these are all magical creatures or you know terrible sort of beasts and uh, demons and and so on or at least ones that can't breathe water and you know well in your setting if that's acceptable an acceptable approach then you can do that and nobody had to swing a sword nobody had to take any um put their body into any danger um it's an awful way to run a dungeon or ruin a dungeon but but these are the things that are possible um in an old school uh campaign i think that's about it really so I waffled on a fair amount there, but hopefully it wasn't um, completely completely uh, unlistenable. So anyway, give us a shout if you want to talk about anything or send in a message to um, my Twitter account. You know, I can be contacted at oldshabbygamer, one word, at oldshabbygamer on Twitter. Um, and I've still not got around to making my own Gmail account uh, for this podcast but it will happen one day won't it so i uh, leave you now looking at the clouds passing over the uh, darkened valley uh, with the lightning flashing in the north and the sound of 
insects giving us a, a chorus, a night chorus before we prepare for bed. Anyway, until next time.